This morning I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 1. One of my favourite passages of scripture, to be honest, it wouldn't matter what scripture I chose, I'd say to you, it's one of my favourite scriptures because I just love the Bible. But there is something, and I hope there's a word in here for Jason and Steph this morning as well as you. Um, It's where Joshua is installed as the leader of the Israelites. It begins, I love this the way it begins, all right, Um, in the first few verses, because it reminds me of a Monty Python sketch that I once watched as a, a younger man. I don't watch them, of course, anymore. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Do you recognize that, the parrot sketch of uh, Monty Python? Moses, I, I always find that amazing. Why did God have to tell him what he already knew? He knew Moses was dead. But God has to reinforce it. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's a word for you, Jason. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. And very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the Lord always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Another word, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And then it goes on, and I'll just move out of this last little bit for a minute, uh, 12 to 15. But it's where he talks to the the tribes who had decided to stop short of going into the land. But even they had to go in and participate. All right? They had to participate in the taking of the ground. Anyway, verse 16, then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. That's strong. Only be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. 
I just want to pull a few things out of this passage this morning, just really as Jason and Steph join us. I've been here 13 or 14 weeks. We're a new group of people together, and I'm taking a break from the Acts of the Apostles this morning. Um, And probably through the rest of August, we will take a break from that and rejoin it again in September. But I want you to notice a few things here. Firstly, God is not against prosperity. And God is not against success. So often in church life, what we seem to settle for is survival. And survival only. Now, I'm not a prosperity gospel man in the, in the sense which we might see on TV these days. You know, name it and claim it, smash it and grab it and all the rest of it. Right? I'm not that type of prosperity man at all. But the Bible is clear that God is not against success and he is not against prosperity. Now, he might not want you to have all the money in the world so you can go out and buy your Bugatti Veyron, the car that I dream of. All right? Maybe that's not what he means. But I will tell you this. God wants you to know success in your life. And success is not about you getting to the top of the ladder and being the man in charge or the woman in charge. Success is fulfilling that which God has called you to do. Because each person in this room has been called to something. Some of us have the privilege, like Jason and myself, where we actually get paid for doing what we do. And sometimes there has been a view that That is why a ministry is. And if I feel called to ministry, it must mean I've got to do that. But I want to make a direct statement to you this morning. Where God has placed you today, where you will wake up and go to work tomorrow morning, that is your mission field. That is where you have been placed by God, unless you think it is all by random chance I believe rather that God organizes things for the fulfillment of his kingdom. And you are there right now at this moment in time because that's where God wants you to be and that's where God wants you to serve him. He wants you to be successful where you are today in your walk with God that you have an impact on those who you touch with your life. Because every one of us in this room has a circle of people who we touch regularly with our lives. And God wants you to be successful with those people. He wants you to be prosperous. Prosperity for me, genuinely, is knowing the purpose we are called to is outworking itself. It is bearing fruit. That's prosperity. Am I growing in the likeness of Jesus? Am I growing in the likeness of Jesus? I hope so. There are days where I'm not so good at it as others. 
But I hope I'm growing in, in, in the likeness of Jesus somehow. And that at least by the close of every year, on that 31st, that maudlin day where we reflect on the past year and we, we, we wait with great expectation for the 1st of January in that diet that I'm always going on. One year it will be successful. When I get to heaven, I'm having a perfect body. It will be ripped. Six-pack the works, all right? It will be ripped. The reality is prosperity, though, is fulfilling that which God has taken hold of you for. Ephesians says that he has chosen us and he has prepared good works for all of us in advance for us to do. And that is not just for people who get paid. That is for all of us. We're all part of the body of Christ. It just so happens that my particular call from God has led me in this direction. Jason's has led him in this direction. But I want to say to you, don't think somehow that we are more high and lofty than anybody else. Because if you do, there's only one way I can go. And I won't take long to go that way. And it will be bang on my face. Because I know that I mess up. I know that I can walk in a room and because I've got things on my mind I don't see people, that's even more upsetting. They think I've been rude to them and they come to me and they say, you were so rude to me. And I say, really? I didn't even see you. That, and that upsets them even more, you know. But when I get fixated on something, my, my blinkers close in and I just become singularly focused. I'm not saying it's right, but those things happen. So we will mess up, we will fall, we will fail, we'll lose our temper, we will say sometimes nasty things to people our, our, in, in marriages, in relationships, we might, we might fall out, but it's not the end of the world. Just don't let the sun go down when you've fallen out. Don't let it go down. Make sure you settle accounts before it goes down. So God wants us to be prosperous and successful and we see that worked out through the rest of the book of Joshua because they take the land. They take the land. In fact, they stop. They probably mess up a bit in there and it causes them a few difficulties but the reality is they're in. They're pressing in. They're taking the land. You've got Caleb, that 80-year-old man who he's ready and he's up for it. So don't anybody tell me you're too old, all right? He's up for it. He's going to take this really difficult country, which is up a hill, and he, but he isn't going to be deterred. And up he goes. And he said, I'm still like a 40-year-old. And he doesn't mean in spirit. He meant in physical ability because he didn't just let the people go. He led the people in. So, you know, I believe that God wants you to be blessed, in this passage, that statement, Moses, my servant, is dead, may appear to you to be an obvious one. But I think God is reminding Joshua, who's been his aide, has walked with him and sat under his shadow and been under his shadow for at least 40 years. And so, I, if I was Joshua, I think I might be sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I've seen what these people are like. <laughs> I know what they're like. They moan. 
They wanted to go back to Egypt and eat cucumbers of Egypt when they'd been let free. I got a tall order on my, I'm not Moses. And that's true, he wasn't Moses. And I believe when God declared to him, Moses, my servant, is dead, it was God drawing a line. Shoo! Don't worry about what's gone before. Don't allow the past. It doesn't mean that we don't learn from the past, and the past doesn't inform the present. But don't let the past dictate your present and your future. So many people allow their past to dictate their present and their future. Their past failures stop them doing things for God now. Why? Because they think they don't deserve to be used of God going forward. So they just don't do it. They feel they get promptings from God to give words of prophecy or whatever it happens to be, to share faith with somebody. But they know who they are. They know who they've been. And it overwhelms them. And they let their past dictate their present and that then determines their future. Don't allow that to happen. Jason and Steph, you've been in several churches. I don't know every historical moment of those churches. But there are going to be good points and bad points in those churches. Don't let your past dictate your present or your future. Your future is great. Your future is good. Your future is prosperous. Your future is successful in God. And that goes for each and every person here this morning. Don't allow your past to dictate your present and your future. Let it inform you. Let it inform you. Look at the mistakes that were made and don't make them again. Or at least work hard at trying not to allow those things to overtake us again. But don't let it stop you pushing forward. We're all sinners saved by God's grace. We're then made into saints. We get the title before the full Transformation. Do you know that? We get the title before the full transformation. We are being transformed from one glory, Corinthians, to ever increasing glory. Notice it's not downhill, it's uphill. Increasing from one glory to ever increasing glory. We are being pressed and made into the image of Jesus because. I want to bring Jesus glory who brings glory to his Father. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus and Jesus points to the Father. The Holy Spirit in me points to Jesus, the change that Jesus has made in my life, which points to the Father always. So, don't be dictated to by the past. The vision is big. If you've got a vision and you know you can fulfill it, I'm going to tell you something. It ain't a vision from God. I will tell you that. If your vision that you hold, you think you can fulfill, it isn't a vision from God. Because I think God's vision goes way beyond anything that we can look at, anything that we could even imagine what God could do. It's the barrenness issue again. When there's that barrenness, you can't see anything else necessarily. 
And the longer it goes on, the more convinced you become that that is going to be your path in life. And then that day happens where conception happens and something changes. Hear me, hear me, hear me. The vision will be beyond what you can do on your own. And so many of us are constrained by our own abilities rather than God abilities. We will do something if we feel we, we can do it. And if we can't, we hide behind it. And we say, oh no, no, that, that, I'm sorry, I can't do that. The vision will go beyond you. Look at the vision in that passage. It's huge. He said... You know, take the land, take it. You, you know, you're going to, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, the Hittite country, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. It was huge. Way beyond what they could see when they knew who they were going up against. The reality, however, is they had God with them. And God makes it a majority It's a done deal. When God says it's a done deal, it's a done deal. That's one way you know when prophetic stuff, when it just doesn't ever happen, I'd have to conclude that it probably was never prophetic in the first place. It might have been a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling on the morning, but it wasn't prophetic in the first place. So we've got the vision. Then there's the commands. Be strong and courageous. Three times I think it says in this passage, be strong and courageous. You see, God knew Joshua. He knew the man that he'd been under. The man who had been in the inner place with God. The man who had been up the mountain with God. The man who came down the mountain whose face was transformed totally transformed and he had to wear a veil because he was aglow with God see Joshua knew that man and he knew himself and now he is having the baton passed to him to run with so be strong no wonder he said that the commands however be careful to obey the law keep the law Keep the law. Keep the law on your lips and meditate on it day and night. I don't know how in love with this book you are. I'm not sure. I don't know you. Do you pick it up between today or some of us don't even pick it up today. We read it off a screen. You're very trustworthy because I could put any heresy up on the screen. All right. Um, I can, actually, because Claire's doing it today, so it'd be her fault if it's heretical. But the reality is, all right, do we have a heart for this book? Do we meditate on it day and night? In this book, we do find life. It's bread. It feeds us. It directs us. We might not always find it easy to live. But I will tell you, you won't go anywhere unless this book gets into you. 
It's when this book gets into you and you get pressed that this book comes out of you. When it's not in you, all they'll get is what's in your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've got to remember that. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I'm wrong, is it blessing that comes out of my mouth or cursing? And I'm not talking about swearing, I'm talking about cursing, right? What comes out when you're pressed? So meditate. So there's a command. Be careful. Obey the law. So do it. Don't just read it. Do it. James, don't just be basically readers of it. Be doers of the word. Doers, you know. And then again, you get that third one, be strong and courageous. In fact, one, two, there's four times it uses it in the passage. So you've got the vision, the commands, the promises, if you will do that and live according to the law, and, you, and this isn't about you earning your salvation. When you get touched by Jesus, you don't do things because you ought to do them. You do them because you want to please God. That is a sure sign that you're saved. If you don't care whether you sin or not, then you need to be questioning where you are at with your walk with God. If it worries you when you sin, if you suddenly, you know, it's not like I sin, oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody then says, oh, yeah, oh, I sinned, you know, a week later. When I sin, it's instantaneous. Literally, I'll do something, I'll say something out of turn, and straight away I know that I've spoken out of turn. I've done something out of turn. The big issue for me is, is how quickly does the second click happen, is it? So I do something and I go to God, or is it? Oh, I better do something about it. But I entertain it for a while. The promises are, no one can stand against you if you walk after God. The promise is that as Joshua, as the Lord or God was with Moses, so he would be with Joshua. The promise is he will never leave you nor forsake you. Even in the darkest moment that you feel there is, a prison you might feel you're in, I want to tell you, God is there. You might be struggling to see him, but God is there. He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. I've mentioned the prosperity and success. And I will be with you wherever you go. Notice, he didn't say to the Israelites, every place the sole of the Israelites' feet shall tread will be yours. He said it to Joshua. This was something he gave Joshua. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread shall be Yours. I know a minister, not personally, but I know of a minister and have been in his presence when he shared this story. His name's Jack Hayford and he leads a church called Church on the Way, or he did, he's retired now, but Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California. One day when he was reading this passage of scripture, he saw that every place the sole of your foot shall tread. So he decided their church was outgrowing itself rapidly. So he thought, well, we need a bigger church. 
And there was a piece of land on the opposite corner to his church, and I've actually been to the church. There's an old, what you would think was a nice, quaint, wooden-looking building, you know, like the American-type chapel-type thing on this side of uh, an in, uh, a road. There's a road goes down here and a, quite a heavy traffic road this way. On the opposite corner, there was a parcel of land. So he went there, he knew what it was valued at, he knew what they were asking, so he went out and he walked round it, and he walked all over it, and he placed his feet on it, believing he was responding to a prompting by God. Do you know, he put an offer in into what they could afford as a church, and to his surprise, although I don't, I'm not so sure it would have been a surprise, they let him have the land lots and lots cheaper than whatever they could have got on the open market. He then decided to walk the block. So he started walking down. Now they've, they've got a bookstore down on another corner at the other end of the block and slowly but surely they are buying up the block all the way back towards the church, the original church. Every place, and he did it on the basis that he's doing those things and buying up those things, or they're buying up those properties with purpose. But the reality is, it came because he walked, I believe, the land. He put his soles of his feet. Sometimes those outworking things are not just, you know, silly things, they are real things. And finally, actions. So we've had vision. Where are we? We've had the reminder, basically. Moses, my servant's dead. The vision was given. The commands have been given. The promises have been stated. But do you know every promise in Scripture has a corresponding action? Did you know that? Sometimes we think the promises of God are just there and I can claim it, you know? But as you read through scripture, you will find that with every promise, there is a corresponding action that is required. So we say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? And we, 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 we look at it so that no one will perish. Oh, isn't that fantastic? But you have to believe, <laughs> That's the corresponding action. You don't get saved just because it's been pronounced. You get saved because you believe. And you surrender to God. And there are promises throughout the whole of Scripture, but you will find, if you find one without an action attached, please let me know. But I think you'll find every promise of Scripture has an action attached. And so we cannot leave this. The promise of prosperity the promise of success, the promise of a big vision being fulfilled, all those promises that God will be with us all hinge on our willingness to act. And therefore, directions are given. Get ready. Prepare yourself, in other words. Equip yourself. Do that. I want to tell you that when you start to get ready and prepare yourself... This is Joshua speaking to them. Get yourselves ready. In three days from now, you're going to cross over into your inheritance. But the getting ready is really important. Prepare yourselves. Equip yourselves. That's the act 
in order to fulfill the promise. It's an act of consecration, it says in some of the um, actual translations. It says, consecrate yourselves and cross over. So, prepare yourselves, get ready. There is a time frame in God's mind which might not match yours. Oh, is that so true? Is that so true? God's time frame might not always match ours, but it is there. It's a time frame. You'll see in Scripture, Moses, he went into the wilderness and looked after sheep for 40 years before he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. But they weren't even the children of Israel at that moment, only in thought they became that later on. But they, they basically, they came out, but Moses' preparation was 40 years, having made a fundamental error of killing an Egyptian. Having lived in luxury for the previous 40 years, except for a few months where he was in a wicker basket floating in the bulrushes. It took a long time to prepare somebody. You get it with Jesus. Jesus was driven into the wilderness after his baptism by the Holy Spirit. Forty days he wrestled with the devil. And in Luke's gospel it says, when he returned, he returned in the power of the Spirit. So there was the, the leading of the Spirit. There was the preparation And then there was the returning in the power of, the actual outworking of those things. There seems to be a pattern. King David, do you remember? He was anointed as king when he was young. He was the runt of the litter, for want of a better phrase. He was shorter than everybody else. He looked after sheep. He played a guitar, probably, or a harp, you know, whatever musical instrument, he was a musician, you know. He played this instrument, he sang praises to God, I'm sure. But then he's anointed as king, and what happens to him? Look at his intervening life. He's running around the desert, hiding from somebody who's trying to kill him. He's faking being mentally insane in order to save his life. I, I want to tell you, at some point in his life, he must have thought, where's the anointing gone? He must have. No human being on this earth would just blase through saying, well, I'm the king, you know. I'm the future king. But reality, he had awful things that he faced. But then came the moment where he took the position that he was anointed for. There seems to be that pattern. Even Paul, remember Paul? He got saved on the road to Damascus. But there was a time of preparation before he actually started preaching and teaching. It might not have been 40 years, but there was a time of preparation for him. Right? And then he moves into it. That is God's pattern. Sometimes you'll say to me, Dave, I feel in a dry place. I understand that. 
from personal experience. I've had a dark night of the soul where I've wrestled with God. Where I've cried out, where are you God? The ceiling sounds like brass. I don't seem to be able to feel you or engage with you. You seem silent on every matter. But that don't mean that God wasn't there. Maybe I needed to be asking some other questions instead of just my selfish ones. Maybe I needed to be saying, God, whatever it is you need to do in me at this moment, do it. And do it quickly. Because I don't want to be in that desert place very long. I don't like it. Don't know about you, I just like getting out of it. But it's not dead. It doesn't have to be useless or worthless. It can be worth something. So, action. Be prepared. And Joshua is prepared to grasp the nettle. That is the hardest thing of all, grasping the nettle. The tribes who had swung a deal to say this, stay this side of the Jordan River. They promised Moses something, but they hadn't promised Joshua anything. And the fact that Joshua approached them would suggest to me that he even was concerned that they might not help out. But he's not afraid to grasp the nettle. I want to tell you, Jason, there'll be nettles for you to grasp. The same as for me, the same as for the leadership, the same as for you in your life. There are nettles to grasp in all our lives, in our families, with our relationships, in our workplace, in every area. There are nettles we need to grasp. But I will tell you this, don't shy away from grasping the nettle. Because the moment you do, God strengthens your hand. He strengthens your hand. He does it. And you will be amazed. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. This day when Jason, Steph, Ocean, Bay and Reef join us. Lord, I want to thank you because I'm excited about tomorrow. I, I, I say amen to that word shared this morning about lengthening the cords and strengthening the stakes because there's going to be a, a, a growth, Lord, in, in all sorts of areas in our lives. Father, I want to ask you to help us to take something out of this Joshua passage this morning that belongs to us as an individual, not just a blanket, you know, aim a shotgun, Lord, and pepper everybody. But Lord, let each person have something specific from that word this morning that will resonate with their heart. And that, Lord God, that from it will come fruit, Lord, fresh fruit, Lord, a fresh sense of purpose, a fresh sense of Lord, you want to prosper us and us to be successful in our lives, Lord God. That you want to be with us and walk with us. Help us be people who will meditate on your word day and night and hold it before us on all occasions. And Lord God, that we would know your presence and your power with us in our day-to-day -day lives, with our parenting, with our 
husbanding and being a wife, Lord God. Help us notice that that has a powerful effect in our lives, Lord God, with our relationships within the body, with our relationships with our work colleagues, with our friends, our neighbours, Lord, wherever we touch lives. Lord, let there be something which shines out because something from this word bears fruit.